0: Well, good morning. Happy New Year. Thank you. That was that was really weak. It was like you haven't been uh, said that, heard that the last couple of days. I am excited to be here with you on this morning, the first Sunday of 2022. How many of you made it to midnight on Friday night? Wow. You're impressive. I'm not going to lie. When I was growing up, we loved New Year's. We always went to a family friend's house, and I absolutely loved it. Staying up till midnight was not a question. It was a certainty. It was much later than that normally. On a good day, I'm lucky if I can make it to 9, okay? I did, and that is not an exaggeration. Ask anyone who knows me. I did make it to 10.30 on Friday night and decided that was late enough. I'm a big fan of the ball drop that you can watch on Netflix or YouTube or any streaming service that you can just hit play whenever you're ready for your kids to go to bed, and it's suddenly a new year. Anyone? I didn't watch it by myself. I'm not, I I wasn't that bad, but anyways, regardless of whether you saw the ball drop or not, whether you were ready or not, we are now two days in to the new year. Have you visited the gym every day? Have you eaten your fruit and veggies and thrown all your Christmas cookies away? Life hack, just put them in the freezer, save them for another day. Have you stopped looking at your phone an hour before you go to sleep at night? In my experience, there are two big emotions when it comes to the new year. The first is great expectation, Right. The last several weeks, I've been hearing this song from when I was little in my head. And last year, I shared a Sunday school song with you. And this is another Sunday school song. Um, so it's, I am a promise, I am a possibility. I am a promise with a capital P. I am a great big bundle of potentiality. Does anyone know that song? Super, super old. But when I was growing up, we sang it every Sunday, every Sunday. Every Sunday. It really resonates with the whole New Year idea to me. We look at January 1st as a fresh start. It's the beginning of something new. I am a teacher, as most of you probably know by now, and so I experienced this type of newness in September and again in January. There's something really special when things feel new. Picture this especially you type A friends, picture this. A beautiful new planner or calendar. There's nothing on it. It is fresh, there are no wrinkles or rips or pages torn from being flipped. It's pristine. Let me repeat, there's nothing on it. If you're sensory like me, maybe you even notice the way that it smells and feels. Am I the only one who gets excited about a new planner? The other teachers in the room I know understand what I'm saying, and some of you have one of those calendars at home right now waiting to be written in. It's just so symbolic of fresh, new beginnings, a completely new slate, nothing but possibilities. The second emotion is dread. For many, it means in the short term, vacation is ending and work is going to start up again. For others, you've looked forward with great expectation for so many years. And year after year, each one is like the one before. Maybe you feel a little jaded, like there isn't much to look forward to in a new year. It'll just be more of the same. I know the last couple of years have been really, really difficult for many people. Here's the thing. Every year... Offers us a chance at a new beginning and offers us new hope. But how many of us really believe that or put ourselves in a position to receive that from God? I joked at the beginning about some high profile New Year's resolutions, but if you know me or have heard me teach in the last several years, you probably know my thoughts on New Year's resolutions. We tend to make resolutions such as, I'm going to. Go to the gym every single day. I am not going to eat cookies for the rest of the year. I am going to work out hard. I am going to drink three gallons of water every day. Don't do that. Um, We tend to make those resolutions, but we set ourselves up with unrealistic expectations that we cannot possibly achieve so they don't last. Visit any gym the first week of January and then go back the first week of February. You'll go from crazy crowded to a world of possibilities and endless cardio machines the first week of February. Trust me. What I found is most people look forward to a new year for a new start, but they carry the same old habits and hang-ups with them. The results, that results in carrying one year right into the next. Have you heard the old phrase, nothing changes if nothing changes? And if you don't believe things will change, they surely will not. I'm going to ask you three questions for you to reflect on. The first is, what happened in 2021? The good, the bad, the ugly. What happened in 2021? The next is, what do you want to happen in 2022? What are your hopes for the new year? The third, what needs to change in order to make that happen? 2022 will will have a renewed purpose when we understand that without God, 2022 will just be another year. Another resolution, another goal, but it won't result in a changed life. Throughout the Advent season, we lit candles each week representing hope, peace, joy, and love. Finally, on Christmas Eve, we lit the Christ candle, and I uh, encourage you to take that light with you out into the world. We're going to talk this morning about how we can do that. How can we go? into the new year without extinguishing that light that was within us on Christmas Eve. The world around us needs the light of Christ now more than ever before. Our big idea this morning is this. When we receive the light of Christ and carry it with us, we will not be able to contain it, making a lasting impact on all those we encounter. In order to do this, we need to do three things. I'm going to share the first thing that we need to do with you, and then Pastor Wendy is going to conclude with the second two. The first thing that we must do in order to carry Christ's light into the world is to leave the past in the past. Leave the past in the past. Oftentimes the word past is used to refer to who we were before Christ. Psalm 18, verse 28 says this, For it is you who light my lamp, the Lord my God lightens my darkness. For it is you who light my lamp, the Lord my God lightens my darkness. For those of us who claim this to be true, we need to leave the ugly pieces of our past in order to move forward. Just as we do that when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, we need to do that again as we go from one year into the next. I know I've shared this before, but one of the most powerful analogies that I can think of is that of the rear view mirror in the windshield. When you are in your car, in order to look behind you, you look into a little tiny rear view mirror. It allows you to see what's behind you, allowing an appropriate amount of caution and preparedness. But as you look ahead, you have a much clearer, broader view as you look through your windshield. You don't need to forget 2021, although maybe you would like to, but you can't carry the hurts of 2021 into 2022 with the same amount of power. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul writes this, Therefore, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The key words Paul uses here are in Christ. Those of us who are in Christ are new creations. The old has passed away. That does not mean those who have heard of Christ or know of Christ, but those who are in Christ. If we are in Christ, we need to check ourselves and what we are carrying with us into the new year and what we need to leave behind. We cannot carry the light forward if we are focused on the past. As I considered what exactly we needed to leave in 2021, I thought of four things. The first kind of go together, and that is resentments and unforgiveness, worries and failures, Resentments, unforgiveness, worries, and failures. Let's talk about resentments first. We cannot possibly reflect the light of Christ while holding tightly to the resentments of the past. Whether the past was in 2021 or the past was 10 years ago, it is impossible for you to reflect Christ's light while also clinging to hate. Did you know? You probably did because you're very smart people. And WebMD has symptoms for everything. Don't go on there. It's a black hole and not good. But there are actually symptoms of resentment on WebMD. One source even stated that harboring resentment over time will compromise your health, creating stress and anxiety and a compromised immune system. We need to leave our resentments from the past in the past in order to carry that light into 2022. And going right along with resentments, we need to leave unforgiveness behind as well. Do you know who is the one who suffers from unforgiveness? If you humor me for just a minute and trust me, I want to tell you that it's you, the one who's holding on to that unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. When you are carrying unforgiveness, it's not impacting the person that you're not forgiving in the least most of the time. It's impacting you and your relationships, your peace, your joy, and your happiness. Ephesians 4.31 says this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one, other, one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. The second thing that we need to leave in the past is our worries. Anyone else want to admit that they struggle with worry and anxiety? I'll be the first to admit I struggle with worry and anxiety. And do you know what the crazy thing about worrying is? It takes such an insane amount of time and energy. And 90% of the things that we worry about never, ever happen. When we are in Christ, we need to place those worries and fears of our future at the foot of the cross and entrust that God, our God, is true to his promises. We may not be able to alter the outcome of a situation. We may need to admit that some things are outside our circle of control. But nothing Nothing is outside of God's circle of control, and trusting Him takes far less effort than worrying does. And the last thing that we need to leave behind is our failures. Do you know who the only failure is? The only failure is the one who never gets up and tries. If we are in Christ, we will not fail, we will have setbacks. We may make mistakes along the way. We surely will make mistakes along the way. But when we are in Christ, he always picks us up and steadies our feet to try again when we ask. I know this year and the last two years, if we're honest, have been difficult. And some have been beaten down more than others. Some of those things maybe we brought upon ourselves while others were outside of our control instead of carrying those perceived failures into the new year, change what you can. Make the next positive right choice and trust that in the unavoidable difficult times, God will be the one to see you through. As I begin to wrap up this section on what we need to leave behind, I want to share with you Philippians 3, verses 12 through 15. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. So I'm not encouraging resolutions this morning. I'm encouraging life-changing decisions that carry the potential for a beautiful 2022. None of us will perfectly leave our past in the past. There may be days when we think we need to pick it up again and then be reminded that God will do the heavy lifting. We just need to trust him with it. Again, we cannot carry the light forward if we are focused on the past. I'm gonna invite Pastor Wendy up to share the next two points with you.
1: because I actually do not have my 2022 planner yet, and I'm a little nervous because it's January 2nd, and I am a planner person, so i um, just kind of freaking out about that. Thanks, Karen. Thanks for that. Anyway, um, good morning, you guys, and thank you, Pastor, Pastor Karen, for opening us up this morning. It's great to be with you this new year, and I have to tell you, um, I already said that. I'm one of those planner people. So um, I was so excited when we landed on this topic, and I shouldn't be surprised, but I'm always amazed how God shows up in the details, and he already knows what's going to happen before it happens. Um, You don't see me up here very often, but given that they've given me the stage and the microphone this morning, I'm going to take an opportunity to share some of what our middle and high school students have been hearing over the last six weeks at student ministry. Now, this morning, we're looking at three choices that we can make in our lives that can ultimately, I think, change the world. And each of these three choices build upon the prior choice. Karen walked us through the first choice, right? Choosing to leave the past in the past so that we can be open to what God has for us in the future. So let's continue. We're going to revisit this morning the Gospel of John and the very same passage that Pastor Craig looked at through the last few weeks of the Christmas series. But we're going to focus on a few different verses. So if you have your Bibles, you can meet me in John chapter 1, but they'll be up on the screen for you as well. So let's read together the first 13 verses. In the beginning was the Word... nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, there's a lot to unpack in those 13 verses, and that's why we spent six full weeks at student ministry looking at those things. But for the sake of our time together this morning, we're going to look at just a few verses that I pulled out of that. And if you're brand new to reading the Bible, that passage can seem a little bit confusing. It starts out, though, saying that God was in the beginning and that he was the creator of all things. I love how he's referred to as the word since he spoke the world into existence. And you can read about that in Genesis chapter 1. But with his words, he made all things. In Genesis 1-3, God said, let there be light. And just like that, there was light. God speaks again and he creates the sun, the moon, the stars, the sky. And then he speaks again and he creates the oceans, the dry land, the birds, the fish, the animals, and yes, even the bugs. And then he says, of all these things, it was good. It was good, but he speaks yet again and he creates man and woman and then he says, it is very good. He created a perfect place for us to live in unity with him. He literally gave us every single thing that we could ever need or want without any sadness and without any darkness. But what happened? Adam and Eve chose their own way over God's way and in a single moment, The darkness of sin enters the world. And ever since that moment, God has been trying to bring us out of that darkness and back into right relationship with him. And I would even go so far as to say that the darkness has become so much more worse than it was in that first moment. All you have to do is turn on the news or look at social media. In a matter of minutes, you can see it. But thankfully for us, the story didn't end with Adam and Eve. And I believe that the Bible is the greatest love story of all time. It's a story after story after story of how God just continued to attempt to restore us to that initial relationship. To the way he created us to live in the light. In the Old Testament, you can read about a God who pursues mankind relentlessly trying to correct our steps, loving us and showing us so much mercy and grace. And yes, we see his wrath at times too but never unwarranted. People who see God as an angry God misunderstand the fullness of his promises. I mean, there were times when when, uh, my parents would show their wrath to me as well. We didn't have Wi-Fi passwords to change or cell phones to take away. Punishment in the 70s and 80s was punishment, let me tell you. But looking back, I can honestly say that it was always done out of love and concern for myself, my siblings, and our well-being. The same is true of God. He's been trying to rescue us using every measure possible to get our attention, to draw us out of our individual pasts and back to him. Let's go back to our passage in John. So God created all things, and he sends the light into the world. And we just came out of the Christmas season celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in this passage, John refers to him as the light. So God is the word, and Jesus is the light. John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, he says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So this is great news, right? God sends his light into the world to light up the darkness. He sends Jesus in human form to bring light into the world to save us from ourselves. But the story continues. Let's keep reading and see what happens. Verses 9 through 11, they give us a glimpse of how some of the people responded to Jesus. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. In those few verses, we can see what's keeping the world in darkness. We see it in writing, true light came into the world, and it lit up the darkness, right, for everyone to see, but what did they do? Verse 11, his own people did not receive him. They rejected him. Look, God didn't send Jesus in human form because life was all perfect. He sent Jesus into the world to save us from ourselves. He tried time and time and time again throughout the Old Testament to rescue us, but it wasn't working, so he took drastic measures. He sacrificed his son. He sent a light into the world because the world was dark. It was dark then, and I'd argue it's even darker now. As your student ministry pastor, I'm going to get real with you for a second. Our youth, they're struggling. Our youth are struggling. They're they're growing up in a world that is not pretty. It's dark and it's filled with mixed messages that go directly against the life that God has designed for them. And it's up to us to show them what the true light is all about. And help them align their moral and spiritual compasses with true north. John Wesley said, and I always love to quote John Wesley, so if you've ever heard me preach, I always quote John Wesley. He said, what one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. Think about that for a second. That statement was sad when Wesley first said it, and it's even more sad today. The world is so different from when I was a kid in the 70s and 80s. What we hear in the news, what we see in TV programming, how our parents punish us, what we have access to, It all changed, and if I'm honest, I can't really pinpoint like a specific moment when it became the way it is today, but it changed. I have a really short video clip I want you guys to watch, and our students saw this a few weeks ago at Student Ministry. You might wonder why you're watching it, but stick with me and we'll chat about it after we watch it. Take a look.
2: To test just how much attention the attention-stealing design of the new Skoda Fabia actually steals, We left one parked on this ordinary road in West London. We wanted to see if its sharp, crystalline shapes, bold lines and lower, wider profile would attract the desired level of attention. Will the 17-inch black alloy wheels stop passers-by in their tracks? Will the angular headlights attract the attention of other road users? Will a crowd gather to check out its fresh, sporty look? Well. Not quite. But did the attention-stealing design distract you from noticing that the entire street has been changing right before your very eyes? Don't believe us? Have another look. Did you spot the van changing to a taxi? How about the scooter changing to a pair of bicycles? Or the lady holding a pig? Let alone the fact that the entire street is now completely different. Didn't think so. So there we have it. Proof that the new Skoda Fabia is truly attention-stealing.
1: Am I the only one that didn't see it the first time? Anyone else? So the flickering lights, um, that's supposed to simulate your blinking, basically, okay? But what this car commercial, I think, demonstrates perfectly is that the world is changing around us, not for the better. And I think sometimes we don't even notice the seemingly insignificant changes until it's too late, right? Or until so much change has happened that... We have no idea how we got here. All we have to do is turn on the news, and it's so full of those mixed messages we were talking about, opposite of what God desires for each of us. And all the more reason people need to see the light of Jesus Christ. What one generation tolerates, the next will embrace. There's only one true north, and that's God, right? It's receiving the light, the light that he talks about in John 1.12, but he goes on to say this, but to all who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. So the good news in this passage is that it's not, it's not that the whole world didn't reject him. Some did receive him. And when they did, when we do, he gives us the right to be called children of God. He adopts us into his family, into this family, right? Into our church family, where we can experience that spiritual rebirth, one where he makes us new And he begins a new work in each one of us. And that brings me to our second point this morning, our second choice we need to make. And that is that we need to choose to receive the light. God gave us free will, just like he gave Adam and Eve free will. And now it's up to us to choose him. Our way does not work apart from him. It just doesn't. Jesus came into the world because they needed him then, and we need him now more than ever. And maybe you're sitting here thinking he didn't come for you or that you don't have the right to receive him based on your past mistakes. The truth is that there is nothing that disqualifies you from receiving his light. God already knows what you did, what you thought, or what you said in the past. And as Pastor Karen reminded us this morning, we shouldn't live there. I can think of story after story in the Bible where God took broken people who made big mistakes and then turned around and used them for his good purposes. The woman at the well in John chapter 4 always jumps out at me. That's one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. Jesus, when he meets her, he acknowledges her past. He knows everything, and he lets her know that he knows everything. But without any hesitation, he invites her into a relationship with him. That's exactly what he does for us. What does she do? Without missing a beat, she runs back to the village, and she tells everybody that will listen about Jesus Christ and what he offers us there's nothing you have done that will ever cause God to stop pursuing you nothing and I think about 15 years ago I was the woman at the well I was I was bruised and battered and torn I'd made so many bad choices and yet God met me there he met me at my well and he invited me to do life with him not apart from him It took me 36 years before I stopped rejecting him and stopped thinking that I wasn't worthy. God is patient, and he'll wait as long as it takes for you to receive him so that he can begin that new work in you. You, my friends, are worthy. But don't take my word for it. Let's look at what John 3.16 tells us. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And it doesn't end there. It gets better. Look at the very next verse. I love this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. He's not here to make us feel worse about ourselves. He's not here to cover us in guilt or shame over our past. He's here to redeem us and bring new light into our lives. It started with the gift exchange of Christmas, right? When Jesus was sent in human form. So will you exchange your past for what God is offering you? Because when we choose to receive his light, it can change the world. You know, walking into my house at night, this drives my husband crazy, walking in the house, pitch black, I go from room to room and just turn every single light on, right? And it gets brighter and brighter and brighter as I go throughout the house. Even in the rooms with closed doors, that light will kind of seep in under the closed doors or through the cracks, right? We live in a world with closed doors where the light is trying to get in. What are the doors in your life that you either need to open to let the light in or close to shut the darkness out? Once we let the light in, what happens next? What do we do? What do we do when we receive the light? Let's go back to our passage in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. There's an example. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. John had the light of God in himself, and he knew he couldn't contain it or keep it to himself. He wanted others to experience it too. He traveled from place to place, spreading the good news of Jesus. And when we choose to receive him, we begin to reflect the light of Christ so that others too can see it and it begins to spread. Look at Matthew six twenty-two. This is an eye-opening verse, pun intended. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? I don't know about you, but I'd certainly reflect the light of Jesus than have people see darkness when they look at me. And that brings me to our third and final point this morning, which is this. We cannot be the light for other people, but we can reflect the light to help them see it. We can reflect the light to help them see it. God is calling us to be the ones who shine the light into other people's darkness. Be the one who's walking through the house, flipping on the lights in room after room after room. The woman at the well ran from her encounter to tell everybody. She didn't think twice, she just did it. She wanted to spread the news that there is hope, there is a new life in Jesus. And she did that by carrying her own light to her people. John the Baptist made it his life work. The Apostle Paul, who had quite a past, he chose to receive the light and then spent the rest of his life sharing that hope with others, even from prison. On Christmas Eve, we lit Christ's candle. And from that one small light that sat before us, that one teeny tiny flame, we lit up this entire room, one little candle at a time. It's one of my favorite moments on Christmas Eve, and I hope the significance of that moment was not lost on you this year. And I go back to that commercial that we just looked at. So many small changes are happening around us all the time. The world continues to change And I think sometimes without realizing it, we just tolerate it, as John Wesley said. But imagine, if each of us takes our lit candle, the light of Christ, into the world, imagine what each of our seemingly tiny lights can do when brought together. The world needs Jesus, and we get to be the ones who carry it into the world. In just a minute, the worship team is going to close our time together with an old song. It's an invitation for all of us this morning, and listen to what it says. There is a candle in every soul, some brightly burning, some dark and cold. There is a spirit who brings a fire, ignites a candle, and makes his home. So carry your candle, run to the darkness, seek out the hopeless, confused, and torn, And hold out your candle for all to see it. Take your candle and go light your world. That's exactly what God is calling us to do this morning. He's calling us to go out and light up the world around us. So, as we embark on this new year, 2022, will you join us in doing that? Here's what I know about you and about me we all have a past. We all have a past. God's asking you to leave it there. He's saying, it's part of your story. Your past is part of your story, but it doesn't define you. Leave it there, trusting that God will use it for good because He will. I want to close today with 1 Peter 2 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of the darkness. And into his marvelous light. He calls us out of the darkness into his marvelous light. And I love the message. I don't often read the message, but I love the translation of this verse. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something from rejected to accepted. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're feeling like the world has rejected you or that God has rejected you, but he never has. In fact, the opposite is true this morning. Leave your past in the past. It belongs to God. He's asking you this morning to receive him. And to do that, all you have to do is believe that he is who he says he is and receive his promises for yourself. Once you receive the light, though, don't keep it to yourself, share it. Be the one who helps others see it. Maybe you don't know how to do that. Stop by Crosswind Central after service. They'd love to chat with you about one-to-one discipleship, about small groups, and about all the other amazing ministries that happen here at Crosswinds. We're here to help you take those next steps. Maybe you accepted Christ years ago and your flame just isn't burning so bright right now. I get that. Life is hard. It has challenges. I encourage you this morning to remember why you chose to receive Christ and to fan the flame as we head into this new year and let it shine brighter than it ever has before because together we can light up the world one small candle at a time. When we receive the light of Christ and carry it with us, we will not be able to contain it, making a lasting impact on all those we encounter. Again, John Wesley said it best. Light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for the way you just pursue us nonstop, Lord, until such time that we can no longer resist and we just can choose to receive you that we can hand you all the parts and pieces of our past, all of our brokenness, all of our our bad decisions, all of our hurts. You receive us right where we are, Lord. You love us in that moment. And you say, you know what? It's okay. Walk with me from here forward and let's do life together. So I pray, Lord, this morning of, of those maybe joining us online or sitting here in person, Lord, that if they have yet to receive you, Lord, that in this moment right now, they would say yes to you. That they would say yes to you. And Lord, for those who... Um, like myself sometimes, they kind of let that flame flicker out a little bit, Lord. I just pray that you would just reignite that flame within them, Lord, and help them to just go out and and carry that light into the world and shine so brightly. The world is a dark place, and and it needs you, and we get to be the ones who help take your light into the world, Lord. So I thank you. I thank you for how much you love us, and that you never, ever stop pursuing us. Lord, we love you so much, and I just lift all of my friends here up to you this morning. And I just pray your blessing upon them, and we lift this time up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.